0: You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Yo, picture me rolling. I'm over here trying to roll a joint. And my papers are flying away in the AC, but it's all good. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it handled. I'm usually more prepared, but we were all in a rush coming in. So, uh, you know, back in a little groove, recording, and I got a. Somebody that I, I've been trying to catch up with for a long time. He's a big supporter of foreign and uh, the homie, and I'm a big fan of his because they grow fire shit. And my buddy Chris, Dr. Dank, in the house. What's up, Chris? How you doing, bro? What's
1: up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me out.
0: He's got his homeboy Marcus here too. Spent Mark's on. mic'd Spent up. On. He's over Thank there rolling you, a joint. Um, let's talk about uh let's talk about that massive greenhouse I got out in Adelanto at Tacoon Um. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh man, yeah, that thing's a things a whole a whole other level, in my opinion. Uh, Eighty thousand feet in the greenhouse, uh, next gen greenhouses, full automated depth house. We have, you know, fully automated systems everywhere from light depth shade cloth.
0: You're yeah. talking
1: evaporative cooling systems.
0: Yeah. So when people, for for the people that don't know. This ain't like this ain't your grandpa's greenhouse. This ain't a, a hoop house in the backyard or something like that. This is this is not you know, mixed lighting cultivation. It's indoor that that you get to use the sun as a you know all day power source as well, and it's next level because everything is controlled and and uh, and you know you're controlling your environment, mastering it like you would an in indoor setup as well. Let me ask you about that. So uh, since you come from an indoor background, I'm sure. Um, how do you how do you like it? You mean like how
1: do I like the it greenhouse compared 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 to, to, the compared to the an indoor, indoor
0: room? Yeah. Oh man,
1: I I love the greenhouse. The thing there's something special about being in the sun.
0: Do you find that the, the work, because I, I know that uh, I've seen that sometimes there's there's depth that actually tests higher in THC percentage than its indoor counterpart. Yeah. And, and it's got to do with the power of the sun. I mean, nothing can duplicate that.
1: That's the thing. It's a spectrum and then the power that comes with it. Um, for example, when you're in an indoor room, uh, PAR reading or PPFD reading might be 750 to 850 at canopy height. Uh, if we were to go outside in Atalanta on a hot day, it might read 1800 to 2100. So everywhere there, we're actually taking away intensity at all times, and we're, we're basically filtering 50 to 60% of the light um, before anything happens. So before it gets into our greenhouses, we're cutting half of it immediately.
0: Yeah, so you're, you're, it's too much. It's uh, too much light. Yeah. It would just torch, it would torch them.
1: It would torch everything, yeah. It's definitely not a game of, like, Give me the maximum. Everything it's balanced, yeah, right? It so.
0: is balanced for sure. Yeah, we find that that like I think when double-ended bulbs came out, we learned very fast that they were a little hotter than the the old single-ended bulbs that we were used to, and that they uh, definitely degraded the quality of the flower. I feel like I've seen a, a drop off in quality since we switched to those indoors. Um, you know, there was nothing like an old Washington hood with the with the Hortolux bulb. It, it grows fire flower. You know. Mm. Um. So Tikkun's doing big things over there. Uh for those that don't know, Tikkun Alam is uh is an Israeli company out of Israel, correct?
1: Yes, correct.
0: Um and they're I are, you know, they're one of the biggest in the cultivation business worldwide, aren't they?
1: Yes. Yes. We have uh we have many countries around the world uh, yeah. that are Tikkun Alam branded and many states now and more and more states opening all the yeah. time. You know, Florida, Delaware, here
0: and Israel's been leading the charge on the medical, you know, the medical testing and and uh research, scientific research that they've been doing on cannabis for you know, they're much more forward with it than most countries have been. Um and they've looked at it as medicine and been willing to actually do the work and find out what it what is the positive and 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 what could be the negative benefits of of cannabis as medicine and as a recreational substance.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, and that was the thing in Israel, it was not frowned upon. As far as you know, once they found out there was medicinal benefit, they had to find out. They're really a culture of a of leading edge and of kind of breaking boundaries yeah. uh, medically, especially. There's there's not too many limitations they'll put when it comes to saving people's lives. As far as like the the research and the the um, resources that they'll dedicate to that, I I really like that about. Um, The Israeli culture myself, I'm not personally Israeli, but man, I'm so lucky to be surrounded by all these great like mentor type people, man, that are just doing things that, you know, next level things where they're working with the biggest, you know, leading scientists in the world and they're providing these studies and we're doing, you know, all these case studies around the world where we're giving product to people and it's just amazing when you get to see the autism, you know, reports that we hear from parents. I get to see some of these emails come back, you know, and it's like uh, my daughter was nonverbal, didn't speak a word. She's four years old. She has autism. We started treating her with um, uh, six weeks into treatment. She's saying her first words and, and uh, you know, I love you and saying, wow. you know, and just uh, all these things that really just, man, it's just the next, it's a, uh, it makes it all, you know, worthwhile, like any kind of long days or any kind of like um, anything that we may not like. It may not be like, oh, we we want to we run the flashiest, you know, exotics and like the, the showiest stuff. And really, like, I love the fact that our stuff goes into medical research and really, like, helps people with real ailments. Um, not that any other cannabis doesn't, but I just love the fact that we have an established, you know, baseline of actual medical studies, which is yeah. not not normal, you know. It's not
0: normal, unfortunately. Yeah. And oh, then totally. we've definitely had our hands tied in America with the, you know, Schedule 1 substance thing that definitely takes all of the the grant money, all of the the college uh research off the table that like, you know, I mean, they'll spend 500 million dollars figuring out CRISPR for tomatoes, but you know the uh the They're, you know, cannabis is schedule one substance and they can't throw money at it like that. I guess with hemp, it's coming around a little bit, but nowhere near. So it's cool to see um, a cutting edge, very technological scientific country taking the forefront and wanting to be the world leaders and giving this beautiful medicine to the world, Um, which I I feel like personally has endless benefits. I'm sure you you feel the same, I know.
1: Exactly the same. Uh, The more more you walk down this road um, in this business, the more doors are open and your eyes are open and you really start to see what this plant can do and what it does do for people on a daily basis. And you come to realize that most people that are cannabis lovers and enthusiasts of the plant are self-medicating for one reason or another. I mean, everybody is dealing with something, whether it's stress or, you know, a long day or chronic pain. And these are some of the things that People treat themselves for and don't really even realize that they're doing and we love the fact that we can now start to categorize these things we can start to actually produce repeated results and worldwide consistency in product where somebody that's in Israel can get a product that's the same as in Florida that's the same as in California and that's what really I'm trying to do with the company and my next kind of endeavor with Takuna alum as i see it will be to kind of unify the world as far as their companies and what we're doing with Takuna across the planet and kind of um, bring all of our sops from california and take the best pieces from around the world if we find anything that we happen to like uh and you know just just kind of get everybody set up and get a homogenous product like worldwide i think that's that's the goal
0: yeah, I mean, uh, quality control and, I mean, being able to produce a product that you can stand behind in, you know, different countries and different continents is, uh, <coughs> I mean, that's the long-term goal, for, hopefully, for most people in the business. I I'm, mean, I'm, you know, I don't want to say everybody, but uh, that is definitely a beautiful thing. I mean, Coke is Coke. and in Japan or Africa or Russia or Antarctica, or wherever you get it, I mean, you pop open the red can and you're gonna be, you can stand behind that brand. And I think we're just starting to see that in cannabis because there was, for so long, it was so black market and niche that, you know, we were afraid to put ourselves out there like that. You had to be in the know or the in crowd to even be able to, to know, you know, whose work it was or, you know, have a brand. You couldn't really, you know, stick your label on something for fear of not being able to go to work anymore
1: yeah those days for me you know that everybody had those days i came from a culture of being raided and helicopter flyovers and i come from an indoor you know operations before that that were shut down and raided in front of me same um everybody's story you know i feel like anybody that's involved commercially that went from like six lights to 20 to 60 to uh, 120 and from there who knows you might get a greenhouse with 2,000 lights, you know, you might have an an indoor space with 40,000 square feet and a thousand bloom lights, you know, it's a It's getting really big and the market is gaining traction and the legal market is gaining traction and uh, That's just great for the you know, it's gonna be good for the economy It's gonna be good for the tax dollars that the county and the, the state is getting i mean i know we pay large tax checks you
0: Mm -hmm. know so too large if you ask me but that's another story yeah a little a little rough on the pockets for Uh. sure but uh you know like any new business ripe for the taking well
1: luckily (coughs) in that sense i'm not an owner so yeah i don't have to write those you know large things it's really a passion project Mm -hmm. though when and i do know the owners very Mm -hmm. well and they're all these guys are all successful business owners outside of cannabis they're not they're not um legacy cannabis guys they're lovers of the plant and believers in what it can do and they went out and found the best team that they could put together of guys that had an established track record and real doctors real phd scientists we have so we got to basically hand pick all these guys from around the world we have a german phd biologist that does all of our tissue culture Nice. Everything we bring in goes right into tissue culture. Nice. So.
0: That's amazing. For those that don't know, tissue culture is uh, taking a plant down to the meristem, which is a, uh, you know, a it from the main branch. And it's basically taking the cloning process. People are probably more familiar, our listeners, with that. And, uh, and uh, micropropagation. So uh, you're going to take, uh, you can cut, a single branch into many small pieces and regrow in a, in a Petri dish or a little test tube in something called agar, which is like a, you know, a little mixed substance, like a gel, say a hormonal gel. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it'll grow, regrow, you know, a, a clone or a baby plant from that. And it's also a way to clean genetics that have been misused or, you know, swayed over time because everybody knows that, Plants can, uh, their genetic traits can start to lean over time based off of environmental stress and other and other things of that nature. So you definitely are getting the best clean um, cannabis from tissue culture for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the tissue culture process. I've seen uh, a lot of plants, all the old OGs. and
0: Yeah, so how is that? So I would love to bring back some of these old OG cuts that have just been, you know, I call her Valley Girl because she's been around the block for sure, and she's just like,
1: you the know. same one that it yeah, was bro. 2001, I mean, 1999, Exactly. To, exactly. Know, and you know, days. she's
0: not the same anymore because she's worn out and she's been misused. And you know, once the once the community got a hold of her at large and not just like the insiders, it was you know off to the races. And she built the business. I'm not gonna not oh, give yeah. her credit for that. She's one hundred percent responsible. OG. OG and Bubba built, built cannabis business. Mm-hmm. And it is responsible for what we see today. The value of it was crazy, and that's what made the you know the green rush happened. And
1: back then, OG was sixty four hundred
0: a pound. Yeah, exactly. And I couldn't have enough of it. No. You know, and like six hundred dollar ounces all day, and people are they're paying them. You know, 550 what I mean, five fifty, yeah, yeah five hundred. If you could get that real OG, you know, and that's where it gets its name from, anyway. Mm. Um, obviously, you're friends with Kenji, so I'm sure yeah, you know the story out well. Yeah, shout Kenji. What's up, Kenji? And uh, yeah, I mean, it stands for original because. You know, everybody said Kush, everybody, I got that Kush, I got that Kush, but you don't have that OG, you don't have that yeah. original, you don't have that real cut, you know? Yeah, back then,
1: when somebody told you they had Kush, nine times out of ten, it was going to be Bubba. Yeah,
0: if they even had Bubba.
1: Yeah, or a master, maybe yeah. if they couldn't have mm-hmm. Bubba, maybe they had a master or a Hindu.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, But... If you had that OG, that super potty, that super, like, galaxy one, the gas, the pure lemon gas.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like, there's nothing like that. I remember what my car, I had an E-Class, an E430 Mercedes in, like, 01. And I remember, like, in the summertime, just, like, baking the car with real OG and coming back into it. And it was, like, the best, like, I can still smell that car, that leather of this brand new Mercedes just reeking, like, gas and, and, and like it was so new to us at the time that it was like that was like the best feeling in the world to me it, it it it's like it's like one of those memory triggers when you walk in your like your grandma's basement or something and you get that like little memory trigger but i when i smell og that's what i think of i think about those times when it was like you know it was popping popping
1: you know that people do still want og and a lot of people still love all this, to all smoke og all the yeah. smokers are going to smoke og people don't like to because cuz are strong People don't like to grow it you anymore. You know,
0: and like, look, it's, it's not worth, it's not as valuable uh-huh. anymore, you know, so the value has gone down, and she's, a, you know, she's kind of a finicky bitch, and she's hit or miss even when you're good at it, you yeah. know, you could have been growing OG forever, and we still get bad runs, it's just part of the deal, you know, she didn't want to act right, or, yeah. you know, the, the plants didn't just thrive all the way through the, through the cycle, and you, just, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't hit the par, she's pr- mold prone, she's got issues, she doesn't she's like heat more, stress. Though. Um, you know she flocks with with PM if not properly taken care of and managed. So yeah, she's got issues. She's not she's not the easiest one. So there's other things out there that are much more uh, much easier on a on a on a cultivator for sure. Yeah. How'd you get in the business, bro? I mean, let me ask you that. What what was it? Was it? I mean, you're a smoker, so I, I assume that you started from smoking and wanting to. Uh...
1: Yeah, man. Uh, so I mean, it starts way back all the way. High school days, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. a bit of entrepreneurial uh, spirit back then, even uh, in the business. And uh, coming out of high school, I had a really good friend that's really still a very large uh, figure in the in the cannabis industry, as far as like vaporizers and things. When that was all happening for the very first time, when the pens were coming out and all that. uh um, that was one of those guys was like my lifelong friend. And we really had um, a lot of good experiences stemming from like all the way back from the late 90s all the way, you know, up until recently, up mm-hmm. until the last couple years. Uh, and back in those days, it started with me just kind of riding along or doing driving or whatever, like whatever, just duffel bag work. Um, we were going to Hollywood a lot. And mm-hmm. we were coming back to our area in town and um you know we were doing a lot of collective work in those days and yeah. um it just kind of evolved for me and the time i got hurt i got in a motorcycle accident in uh 07. Mm-hmm. so nerve damage the whole deal so like i'm paralyzed from here to here oh really so at that time i really haven't done anything professionally except that was 13 years ago okay now. so yeah from that time i haven't um had another profession let's say mm-hmm. so I guess around that time would be the time that I would say it was became a commercial um, thing for me and the first my first entry into the business in those days was through my friend at that in those early days and then through my inner circle of friends uh, one reached out to me and said hey I have like this basement you know it's you know a thousand square feet whatever let's throw up a bunch of lights in it I want you to come on and move in you know and um just run the run the basement like you know just a show in. and i'm like yeah okay cool First show yeah like I'm, i got a crib <laughs> yeah i'm on that i'm on that so That's i was a young. big deal yeah i was young I and mean, it was to those my that shot yeah
0: the, to those that don't understand i mean getting a crib in that time frame is like it's a big shot bro
1: yeah especially when you're i was young at the time, <coughs> excuse you know?
0: me yeah
1: i have four kids now this is before kids this was over you know this is 13 14 years ago something yeah. long time ago um, yeah, so we do a basement, we do, uh, you know, a year and a half, two years worth of batches out of there, they're fire, they're great, we're learning, I'm kind of, what was like, your first setup, were um, you in Rockwool then? No, it was, uh,
0: cocoa, it was so, cocoa, like, cocoa pots. Pro-lite. like, we just pots on the floor, Yeah, or you had tables, yeah,
1: or? no, so we just put tables on blocks, mm-hmm. and then use like, uh, MDF, cinder blocks, yeah, yeah, cinder blocks and MDF, mm-hmm,
0: and it was old just, school setup, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it that's was the our way first it was. ones, yeah. No, that's how they, you know. Yeah. Hey, i seen some of the most fireweed i have ever seen come out of cinder block tables and yeah. houses in the valley. It you was know? the basement, so yeah. like we
1: didn't have our 10 or 12 foot yeah. ceilings, you know. You have like a seven and yeah. a half, eight footer, you got to make it work. That's right. So, you know, benches and all that were out of the question. Back then, benches weren't even a thing either. I'm not even no. giving bullshit. I mean, no. they weren't even around. They didn't come around until the last few years probably yeah. where you see them a lot. The most,
0: the most advanced setup I've seen back then... Um, my homeboy, Corey had a house and he's actually, I think he's the first dude that I ever trimmed for. He had a house growing Bubba and this is probably 2000 ish around that time frame, And he had a, he had a slab set up, but the old school Dutch trays on the saw horses, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he had a, like an old school drip system, which is like. Now that we think about it, we went away from it and came back to it. So the game has basically went away from that setup and then evolved back into that setup because now we're all, you know, kind of slowly on the... Either definitely on drip, but also, like, with the slabs and everything else. I mean, it's a very popular way to do it. But he had one of those back then that was rocking. But it was, like, straight-up sawhorses from, like, Home Depot, like, wood sawhorses on fucking, like, old-school Dutch trays. And uh, it's interesting that uh, we ended up back in the, the same the same place
1: yeah everything comes for full circle as far as that goes uh I th- I feel like when I started out too during all those same times and even earlier on we were making trips up north where friends had moved uh, after high school and hey they live in reading now or they mm-hmm. live in Humboldt now and uh we were kind of exposed to that you know that's cool and we got to go up to farms because they would say hey I've got some guys in la that can come up and help you out with the harvest and like Take care of everything, collective-wise. And uh, take care of all the paperwork and everything. And so farmers up there at that time were really keen to that. Like, that It was look, safer than dealing oh, with the streets for them, you yeah, know what I mean? And yeah, they like, felt more comfortable
0: for sure that it was all Prop the, 215. Yeah, and,
1: let's deal with the guys that have paperwork. Like, prop Yeah, before paperwork. Prop
0: 215, that shit was super cowboy shit. Oh. Like, there was a lot of, I mean, we know that Humboldt's known for being a dangerous place at times. And... and uh before Prop 215, I'm sure it was exceedingly more dangerous. You know what I mean? Because uh, I mean it—it it was illicit, illicit business. There was no no protocol or safety in, involved in that at all. Yeah, so did you learn a lot from those guys up there?
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: you know, you just I mean, they've been doing it forever. It's been passed down through generations, I mean.
1: It was great to see and go through that harvesting process and, you know, that week or two long process and loading these barns and, you know, the old school way, like carrying plants over your shoulder across the field. (laughs)
0: Fucking big Giant
1: ass plant Giant plant Yeah you're yeah. like wow, This thing is like As big as It's low, it's way bigger yeah, than me Yeah it's the
0: shit that like They talk about in movies And yeah. Cheech and Chong And the doing shit we that. grew up being like But you actually People live that shit yeah. You got to experience that Several different
1: that times craft. In my life I've got to go to Different sections of California uh, You know up by the Tahoe area It's where I've seen The biggest and baddest yeah. plants Up in the Grass Valley area Uh huh Yeah Got some friends And man they just They're masters Of the craft yeah. yeah They They're doing you know 15 footers that are putting out eight and 10 and 12 pounds a piece and
0: a plant a plant for people yeah. out there that don't know yeah, yeah and yeah. i mean they don't look like the plants that you guys see on our instagram in these indoor spots but they're fucking monsters they're trees yeah they're trees but, yeah.
1: and if you think about you know what how many of those size plants an acre or two could hold and then
0: i start to do numbers on it start to
1: run numbers on it. yeah it gets it. pretty yeah, crazy it's pretty fast pretty wild what these mm-hmm. guys are doing and those are the guys that you learn from, though. You go take part, you watch, you learn. You know, you soak in what's good and leave. Yeah, weight. if
0: you're smart, you do for yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you absorb. What well, like, what am I seeing here? You know, these guys yeah. do this for generations. And a lot
0: of times, a lot more simple than we do too, as well. You know what I mean? It's like over time, I feel like, you know, I always keep it simple. That's always the 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 uh, the motto, the kiss the kiss motto. But uh, I feel like that when you get on like a good like on a good SLP like you've it, it can be very simplified at times and like everything can flow smoothly and there's you know we don't have to over complicate things to get good results it's really about you know having that and everybody's different because you know like we see we see different results from different people from different setups from different styles I love that about Instagram and not only do we all get to meet each other you know a lot of us For the first time because we get to be in the same space and communicate and uh, see that we're all in this this journey together You know what I mean, but uh It's just cool to see other people crush with like a different idea And everybody's got their own way and their own setup and their own builds and uh, it's really cool to be able to see it now to see other people's Other people's passion and craft and and what they come up with Yeah, I really like
1: it to the to the you're liking it to like the craft beer industry I feel like we're we're in the infancy now of what it can be and what we're going to see in the future Um, when some of these big
0: corporations corporations get involved you're going to see get money involved yeah yeah.
1: you're going to see some some crazy stuff happen. you're going to see trucks driving down the road with brand with you know cannabis brands on the side and
0: yeah 100 it's going to go
1: full 7-eleven mainstream like every day packs of cigarettes will be replaced with packs of joints yeah you know, that's gonna happen. That yeah, will be
0: the future. Yeah, Yeah, that's
1: for sure gonna happen.
0: And um, as far as I'm concerned I mean, I know I know we're similar in age So like I was talking to my girlfriend about it today I'm like they used to smoke fucking cigarettes with us in the car with the windows up and shit back oh. in the 80s when we were growing up and yeah. like That was normal. I was talking to her about it. So like, you know, sending your kid to the My mom used to send me to the store or the gas station with a note, bro To go <laughs> yeah. buy her beer and cigarettes and that shit would work. I'd be like eight bro all right, go tell Tony I want a pack of cool filter kings and uh, and uh, you know a six or a Miller Lite. Okay, mom, can I get a Snickers or like whatever? And you really you literally walk over to him, just give him this note. It'll be okay. Yeah, please give my kids cigarettes and beer and let them go back to the let them go let them go back to the house with it. So they have no. Uh,
1: it was a different time.
0: Yeah, and and obviously it's funny because our parents like. Th- Cannabis was so vilified at the time that it's like it was like the worst, the fucking gateway drug, and it was terrible, and this and that. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, y'all made some really questionable parenting decisions during the '70s and '80s. bro, yeah. was some weird ass shit going on. So I don't think that you guys, you guys needed to smoke a little weed So show the fuck. <laughs> yeah,
1: luckily for for me, my mom was like cool and straight and like had everything together. My dad, however, that was a. yeah a whole nother show within itself
0: yeah yeah i mean i think we all we find that with people you know um we all come from interesting backgrounds no matter who it is and that uh they're all relatable in a certain way you know yeah and that's cool to have that 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 balance because you know you could take it either way it could it could help you uh I, i like that story about the 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 dude that uh that had an alcoholic as a father you know and then he had two sons and, and one son doesn't drink and one son does drink and you know when you ask the, the one that drinks you know uh, what he thinks about you know why it is that he's alcoholic and he says uh, well look with a father like that like how would I how would I be anything different and the one that doesn't says well with a father like that why would I want to take a drink you know life's what you do with it.
1: Yeah. It was just different those days, though. I remember being in Denny's. Yeah. You'd go to the bathroom. Denny's was the shit, yeah. And uh, what you'd see is a cigarette machine. Oh, 100%. And back in those days, even, I don't know why all of us, but, like, everybody I seem to have this conversation was like, I used to do that, too. We would go, like, it was terrible, but we used to go, like, steal cigarettes. My dad smoked cigarettes. so We yeah. would, like, take the butts, you know, and all that. Oh, yeah, young me too. As kids, young. 100%. Like, seven. Same
0: hustle. I was on the same shit. I'm taking that. I'm taking a lighter. Like we're smoking Uh anything
1: we can get our hands on. This is being young kids. Yeah.
0: You know. I've smoked boogler canned boogler menthol tobacco out of a fucking, out of like a two-foot fucking (coughs) graphics plastic bong. Oh man. Regularly for like a little period of time with my homeboy because that's what we had to smoke. Yep. We had a bong and we were smoking boogler. And let me tell you, boogler rips out of a fucking, out of an old school bong when you're a little kid, bro. That shit is gnarly. Yeah. I mean, that shit would fuck me up right now if I took a big-ass rip yeah. off of, a, off of a, uh, a bowl of menthol tobacco. Um, but yeah, I was, I was telling my girl that, too, that like if you went to Wendy's, I remember the gold ashtrays they have. It's one of my earliest memories is that they used to have these little fucking tin gold ashtrays that would be on every table because they had a smoking section and a non-smoking section, even in fast food restaurants. And these little ashtrays were like, I would steal them and take them home with me and whatever. And it's like, it's one of my earliest memories of seeing that because that's like, that was normal. People smoked, you know. There was an ashtray. I told her there was an ashtray on every seat. It didn't matter if you were on a fucking airplane or like, you know, most places had like, if you were on a little seat, it had a little ashtray in it. Every car did. That was just part of the thing. People smoked.
1: Most definitely. And it's still, if you go anywhere else in the world. They the still smoke part, like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You go to Asia, they smoke heavy. Oh, they we smoke don't even heavy. know what smoking is over Europe here. Europe as well. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
0: was I was a cigarette smoker, so I get it. You know, I was for a long time too. And this is the one thing I tell people, like, I there's nothing else, any other substance that I've done in my life that is addictive like that. Because like any other thing I can see some type of personal or at least you know, like a personal benefit from it. Like I like the way alcohol tastes and makes me feel, or or I like uh, you know, ecstasy because it's it makes me feel amazing or psychedelics because I trip out and I learn stuff or you know, everything has like a positive vibe. Cigarettes, there's nothing good about it. Nothing. It smells bad. It tastes bad. like shit. Pure uh it, you know, they, it it just it people it's just it's a gross it's a gross habit. It and is. I and I want to fucking do it nonstop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I <just laughs> and I can still stop. and I can still uh see somebody light a cigarette and want to fucking take a hit, bro. Yeah, like I, hey Hey, would you pick up somebody else's joint out of an ashtray and light that motherfucker and take a rip just at a random fucking place? No. 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 But when I was smoking cigarettes, I'd pick up a fucking butt if I didn't have a cigarette and I would take a rip of that motherfucker at an ashtray. We grew up doing that shit
1: as kids. I can't do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, but like that's the addiction thing—is like that you're willing to go to extra lengths for that for that's that high. Real addiction. You know what I'm saying? That's addiction. That's the Bob Saget moment. That's the Bob Saget. Like, yeah. You never suck dick for weed. Yeah. Can't yeah. say that I have. <laughs> nope. Weed is not a drug. <laughs> Boo this man off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Boo this man. <laughs> used to suck dick for coke. Oh, <laughs> this shit Bob Saget. was great. What hey, Bob us? Saget is a legend, bro. Yeah, I know. I know. Not only did he bring the fucking the funny the funny videos to us, but uh. He's a great comic. Most people don't know these that he's a pretty dirty comic too even though he's, you know, one of the best I feel like, you know, and uh not quite the contrary to his character on Full House which we all grew up with which was uh, you know, I mean, he was the the he was the dad, bro.
1: Yeah, he was like that stereotype. He's dad gene straight like, up, yeah, bro. Like
0: 100% dad. that wholesome like you know father taking care of those kids a good role model. He was a good role model 100% never like stepped out of line I wonder what that show. set was like that had to be crazy. Well, it was did you see that uh, true Hollywood story? No, I thing? haven't I know Jody Sweeten too Okay, well, but I haven't I haven't seen the true Hollywood story. I'll watch it
1: I'm not even gonna put her on blast, but she'll put herself on blast. Yeah, to watch the specials that are out there Yeah, so, you know, it's a fast lifestyle as you could imagine doing that show for that long, and some people got into certain habits, of that, course.
0: You know, I mean, it was the time frame, yeah. you got money coming in. Out I mean, the they ass. were making bank, bro. Yeah, they Stupid didn't have to bank. do anything again no, if they played the cards right. No, not at all.
1: You know, what is you know, Stamos, I'm sure, still just getting paid on that, you know what I mean? And like, they just get residual. And oh, like yeah, that. for
0: sure. And I mean, I'm sure that the that the syndication residuals aren't the same anymore, but at the same it's time, still, they made so much money. It's millions, I bet,
1: still, around the world. Imagine, like, you know, how many countries are still airing that. Yeah,
0: you're right. Yeah, you might be right.
1: Or, like, married with children or something like that. I'm like, just in
0: my feelings because the Sandlot checks ain't the same anymore, for oh, sure. <laughs> I imagine that was dope
1: for a long, long time.
0: Now nah, it was cool, too. You know, it's weird. Uh, I, was, I had a small role in Casper, and... Uh, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. And I, like that one. and I I made more in residuals off of that film than I did off Sandlot for like quite a long period of time. Not anymore. It's, it's, it's not as much because Sandlot kind of continued and continued to go. But, you know, it doesn't you never really know. That's why people don't know that about acting. But I mean, if you pull a gig like a, a good speaking role and a huge ass film that's going to, you know, go crazy and residual money and do really well, that uh, could be, like, a super big windfall for you in life, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. can definitely uh, make things easier for you, buy a house or something, and it could be just, uh, you know, hey, Mr. Banks, how you doing? <laughs> just some little shit, then, you know, you're a character. Everybody wants to be in Star Wars. Why wouldn't you be? I mean, you're yeah. a fucking monster, you know?
1: Yeah, totally take those opportunities. You know, that's just, like, getting those opportunities presented to you from your hard work, seizing the opportunity. And then look what happens, you know, something huge happens and you land some check that keeps coming for 10 years. And who doesn't, that's the dream. That's what, yeah. who doesn't want that to happen.
0: Yeah. I liked when you were talking earlier about, um, you know, a six to a 20 to a, to a, when you get into the one twenty and then now we're like blast off mode, 90 light rooms and crazy shit. You know what I mean? Going on yeah. regularly in the industry. And like you said, huge greenhouses, mixed lighting. Um, but it started like that. And like you said, you got your first shot in a basement and then, you know, learned and tinkered and learned more and uh, stepped up. And it's cool that you've been able to, it's not easy for people to scale that um, sometimes, but it's cool that you were capable of scaling to, you know, much larger than I've even, I've even been able to experience personally. Um, was the step into the greenhouse, um, did it make you nervous for the first time?
1: There's always a sense of this is a lot, Luckily for us, it was ten thousand foot chunks at a time. Yeah, so it wasn't too crazy. You're talking about, depending on your spacing, five thousand to six thousand plants in that kind of space. Yeah, it's not too intimidating at that size. If you were to smack somebody into an eighty thousand yeah square gonna... foot functioning loaded greenhouse that's on a rotation, like yeah, that'll, they drown. That yeah, that'll.
0: Never had that experience of work of workload. Yeah,
1: the juggling act just that comes with it. Yeah, and, just and everything. getting ready and,
0: and for those that listen that don't really know about the you know, the intricacies of cultivation management, it's like keeping a schedule and staying on time and everything happening at the right time is really the most important part of the game. Um, so I definitely think that anytime you step into a big spot like that and you know, it's already it's already going. If you're not scaling it then it definitely can be some bumps in the road
1: oh there's all kinds of things there's systems first of all that have to be dialed in and working right in order for things to even happen right we know about vpd mm-hmm. we know about you know desired temperature range and desired humidity range that's ideal for cannabis to be AAA. a you yeah. know and everyone has their idea of what those parameters are so it'd be nice and what you're used to is an indoor room where you set the controller or you set your thermostat and You get as close as you can to that and you live with it, but it's very very consistent and The environment is very very consistent and that's where in my opinion Indoor, you know is gonna always have that little edge.
0: It's outside of a power outage or something. Yeah um,
1: A nice indoor facility. Equipment failure. A
0: nice indoor facility is definitely you get to control the environment better than everything. And the smaller the room, you're probably going to get the more firework out Absolutely. There's definitely a sweet spot. Yeah. Like a good, like, it's hard to make a 100 light room hit like a 20 lighter, like, you know, or a dialed in 12, 15 light room that's just rocking. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing to it. Like, we know that it's going to be what it's going to be, and it's really easy to control. You might have one five-ton AC, nothing to worry about, and everything's just super on point anytime you scale up it definitely gets you know you run into uh to bigger problems in different situations and they're harder to fix at that scale and like you said with the greenhouse i mean your environment's just varying day to day def due off due to the weather you're we back to get, real farming oh yeah
1: it's fully you know don't there's no like hvac so we're not talking about indoor buildings that have positive pressure AC. We're talking about negative pressure, evaporative mm-hmm. cooling. Yeah. We're talking about a central corridor with exhaust fans on the top uh-huh. that pulls air through both sides of the greenhouse where it looks like about a four foot tall uh, cardboard looking gauzy looking section we call a wet wall mm-hmm. uh, that has cascading water that cascades exactly. down it at varying rates. We have a valve. Mm-hmm. Usually it's wide open during times like this.
0: Yeah. So for people that don't know, it's kind of like a radiator set up with a car. Same type of idea is that water running through something metal and air blowing through it will cool it down. And it's a recirculatory system.
1: Yeah, it's a large swamp cooler. It's a swamp cooler. It's exactly Exactly. what it is. Yeah. So your your intake air is forced through. Imagine a wet sponge, you know, and imagine it's 5 to 10 percent humidity desert outside. And it's hot. It's 100 degrees. It's 110 degrees. It's 115 degrees. It's going to drop you down into the 85 or 90 degree region when it gets really, really hot like that. And we've seen temps of 92, 93 even inside. Yeah. That's where we're at the mercy of the environment to a certain extent. yeah. And that's where strain selection experience. Exactly.
0: And And it all comes back to breeding because, you know, that's where we stay ahead of the curve is definitely in the the propagation room and breeding. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh... Finding things that will weather well and be able to be used in those environments. Other things won't, obviously. But um, how do you think the plants like the 90s? I've seen some pictures of them, of, them, of them praying sometimes when it gets that hot. You know, if an AC goes out, there's, there's always that, like, certain if varieties. they have enough water, certain varieties yeah, that'll certain just thrive varieties. in it. But overall, it's, it's tough, huh?
1: Overall, yeah. Overall, for me, it's a quality killer when you start. And it's a yield killer. It is, huh? It is, yeah. The plant... To me, in my opinion, once you get past about 86, 87 degrees is about the borderline, yeah. anything higher than that.
0: It starts to degrade the... That's degradation, and, yeah. yeah,
1: and you're going to get certain level of oxidation, a certain level of darker color, a certain level yes. of rougher look to the trim, a certain... Mm. You know, you're taking it down, just imagine a 10 out of 10 possible, you know, you're just taking notches out of that possibility. now. Now you're hoping at best to see an 8.5 or an 8.0 out of the situation out of 10.
0: Yeah, so in a big setup like that, I mean, obviously the work in December is different than the work in the summertime. Oh, yeah. Or the stuff that comes in the fall after the summer. Our
1: our best stuff that's hit so far is actually really early on with the low, like, pretty low light levels. Yeah. Um, like spring, actually, is when the, the light just came out in about April. The yeah. The light comes about middle of April is when reasonable amount of light, like when I say that, I mean 700 to 750 PAR. Mm-hmm. Showed up at our canopy. That's when we were able to do really, really nice quality, you know, just touching on indoor quality. Uh, but really has a different effect because we're using a living soil base there at that time. Oh, you so, are. Yeah. So it really has that like old school sticky type of so a lot of terms. How was the quality? On. very, very, yeah. very flavorful to yeah. that, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody. And we had great results. We had THC results all the way up to thirty one point five, I believe. With our garlic cane. wow, and uh, we had our OG hit 26.5, I believe, in a greenhouse. Or, yeah, THC, not total THC. Yeah, total cannabinoids were like 30.
0: So super on par with high. indoor with indoor setups, yeah. you know, especially with the OG because yeah, our Chris know, cake
1: was 28 and a half. Yeah, our uh, our gelato was like 29 and a half or 30. Right in this region. gelato,
0: I'm smoking their gelato 33 right now. That was indoor actually, but it was uh, it was incredible. You like it's a that good Larry Bird, yeah, yeah. Thanks man. It's Appreciate hard to that. find. Uh, I'm not a big gelato guy, uh-huh. and it's hard for me to find a cut that's like super solid that I really like and rock with. But the when the 33 is done right, the, the Larry Bird goes hard, and that was a nice one.
1: Thanks man. Yeah. Appreciate that. That's my guys. Uh, 818 Brands knocked that one out. Yeah, champions um, over there.
0: That's right. Yeah, I've seen their stuff, and uh, the pictures look great. Um, everything looks really healthy. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, those are my boys over there, too. They're, uh, they're doing a lot of good work over there, and i uh, got to thank them for the fine flowers today.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks to the guys at 818. Um, what's next for Takun? Uh, since you're leading the state, are you going to be – is there new facilities I'm sure they got going up? Are you going to be going to bigger greenhouses and bigger pastures?
1: Well, I don't want to speculate too much on that. I do know that the initial plan called for three phases where we are. Yeah. And we would be in phase one size currently. And I do know of some interest in expansion. It's just a matter of I feel like seeing what the market's going to do in the next few months.
0: Yeah, I understand. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I totally understand that because anytime you're at that scale, I mean, it's it's a big risk to to yeah to I double mean, and not know what's going on unless um,
1: you're unless you're getting deposits on everything ahead of time, uh, minimizing your risk that sense to where people have so and that yeah, really luckily those, that's the case
0: for us. Those that don't know, I mean, the the expenses involved in a large scale cultivation is is immense, it's, staggering. It's, it's a it's a huge. It's a huge percentage of gross, of, of gross, and, oh. and people are, you know, just I don't imagine think the government hiring. takes into into account for the fact that this is, you know, a very, very expensive project, you know?
1: Yeah, just in our location, imagine, you know, 30 to 50 people at any given time.
0: Yeah, it takes a lot of people to grow, to grow fireweed on a large scale. There's yeah. no way around that. No. People think there is. You can automate the shit out of everything, but at the end of the day, you got to touch the plant.
1: I'll tell you, at the end of the day... We ran for the first, you know, from October of 19 until just early this month with seven to nine people. And at times, you know, in the beginning it was one extra guy and three extra guys. And uh, we were having, you know, mechanical systems issues that my guys up there at Tacoon just stuck out and slept next to heaters and like got in accidents with big rigs and like took an uber and still went to work like the same it just left their car on the side of the road and just like went and to man the greenhouse and like just solid solid, solid ass people. stuff solid yeah. ass squad. these guys yeah and, and that's it what it just, takes sometimes because yeah, like life time.
0: happens and and we know that it's dependent upon us you know yeah and these you gotta guys, feed the plants
1: these guys go so hard and i'm so like so grateful for these guys, you know, they I get to do things like this because of their effort. You that's know true. I mean? Yeah,
0: because it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. Yeah. If it's your show. And if uh, it takes a solid squad for you to even feel comfortable. I know how I am. And like for me to feel comfortable, it's like I don't have to worry about it. And that's a, not something that as a cultivator, we're always worried about, shit. you know, Yeah. Checking cameras, checking this, everything. Because at any moment we know that anything could go wrong, you know. could be a water leak, could be this, could be that, you know.
1: You have to learn to kind of disconnect almost. And you have to have that like, all right, if there's an emergency or something's way out of parameter getting contacted with me, but I like to give people a lot of rope.
0: Yeah, they should. And I mean, I think it's good for, you know, for them to grow as cultivators and as a team and also um, some innovation comes out of people, you know, taking the the spear and and just kind of kind of going for it um we're about to wrap up here in a few minutes uh you want to give everybody your uh where they can find you at look out maybe takoon's uh instagram your personal
1: yeah check out takoon california it's at takoon t-i-k-u-n-c-a takoon california at takoon ca check out uh at dr Dink zero four two zero that's me and uh, Check out 818 brands Check out my buddies over at dr. Green thumb check out squints. That's right And uh, I think that's all for now
0: cool um, I think we got two more minutes, but I just wanted to get that in there So people know where to find you you guys should go check him out because he's got Fire-ass work um, You do a good good job on social too, and I, I like that how, the, how was the can of cribs? I didn't ask you about that, but oh, I know man, you guys had you them come it? out did you see it? No, I haven't watched it yet. Check I need to. I'll watch YouTube. it tonight. Um, I actually was, my dream was to do a show like that, actually, to do like a can of Cribs come style show. Um, yeah, I want to come. I'm definitely <laughs> exactly. Come it. Exactly. Uh, you know, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm going to check out can of Cribs. I'm going to check out Canna Cribs tonight. Yeah, um, check it out. People can find on that on YouTube.
1: Yeah, YouTube. Canna Cribs. Just type in Canna Cribs. Sikun Alam, and there we are. I think that's uh, season two, episode two. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. You guys should go check it out, too. Um, You'll definitely get to look in the, you know, a day in the life of Dr. Dank. Dr. Dank. That's right.
1: Thank you again.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. I'm glad we finally got to do this. I know COVID and our busy schedules have been kind of a... uh, Kind of rough, but it is what it is. Yeah,
1: come see us, man.
0: I'm, I'm going to come out for sure. I want to come check it out. It's uh definitely, I see you guys had, uh, you guys are always having people out there, and it looks really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm like a tour guide now. I'm a fancy tour guide. Yeah. So you come on out, I'll give you
0: the tour. <laughs> Have a great time. It's pretty cool, and it's wild, because even, I still get, like, shocked seeing things, and I'm in the business, obviously. It's cool to see somebody for the first time see a crazy cult, because it's, it's, you know, it's some... Some James Bond shit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Some it's a really juggling act. It's
1: a juggling act, yeah. and the a lot guys of that are
0: parts. yeah, a lot of
1: moving parts, and
0: yeah, people don't understand that, but a lot goes into the to the the thought and the love and the care for for the cannabis that people consume. You know, this is our life. not yeah. have
1: it, you won't survive.
0: Yeah. No, and it'll be you know the the product suffers obviously, and and you know the love for the plant I think is needed to uh to to produce you know triple A or definitely the, you know. Good top-tier product.
1: Shout-outs again to Coon, California. My guys up there. That's it.
0: That's it. Um, all right, everybody, uh, y'all have a good uh, rest, of your, rest of your week, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, I guess we got more time. Andrew's over there on his phone or something. I'm waiting for the, the, the outro music. To all play. right. I have them edit. We're I'll are still them edit here, this just part. kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're still here, just kidding.
0: <laughs> all good, all good. Um, how was Catalina? I saw you went there. Oh fam man, recently you've been taking helicopters over there. How's that? Hey,
1: lovely, man, lovely. I'm yeah? uh, finally at a place in my life where I can do uh, nice things like that, and I wanted to make it memorable, and we did, man.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I haven't been to Catalina since I was a kid. I actually shot something there when I was younger, but uh. It's a beautiful place.
1: I always wonder about that. I'm like, man, I wish I had a, a, a log of movies made in Catalina when I was over there. I was thinking about watching the Catalina movie. There's probably
0: a whole bunch. I
1: bet there is. I, I heard there Island is of the too. Blue Dolphin was about there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it made sense. I mean, especially back in, in the early days that they would use it as an island set because yeah. it's right there. You know what I mean? It's really close. and <clears throat> It's just a boat ride or... A short jump from Los Angeles.
1: And the boat ride's not super cheap either. No. So, like, and if you're concerned with any kind of, like, you know, being around a bunch of people or whatever. So I think it was, like, three and a half, four times what the boat cost, you know, basically. And so it's not crazy, crazy. It's one of those things where it's like, you know what? This I'm is worth gonna it. I'm just going to step up and do it for, like, my family, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sacrificing time away from them yeah with all the work so it's like you know let me show them this kind of love like that i never got shown when i was young you know yeah so that that part of it felt good
0: that's awesome and that's what life's about i mean i i think that you know my kids uh luckily i can work hard enough and provide for them and give them a life that that i didn't have i mean i had an amazing childhood as well but they definitely have a better a better uh better go at things because of the life that i've created and that's all we can hope for generationally as people is to like you know try to do better the next, you know, try to learn from our, uh, our parents' mistakes or, or what they didn't have or the next piece of the puzzle, you know, and try to try to give them what, you know, we wish we would have had to experience. The helicopter thing is like, uh, like you said, it's only a little bit more money, but it's, the experience will never be yeah. left on them. You know what I mean? It's not like crazy. The kids and will I remember had six that forever. Yeah. yeah. So the I got The go to Europe. That, that yeah. trip is like. You, you know, got to sit in the front. It's an next to amazing to the pilot. thing. Yeah, yeah, bro. That's yeah. like, that's a. Uh, for me, I was like, I don't care how
1: much, like, honestly,
0: like. This There's is no worth price it. on that. Yeah. That's priceless. You um, know, if I was
1: going to go to Europe, what would it cost, like, 20, 30 grand at least to, like, to take six people to Europe? Are you oh, yeah, for sure. You kidding me? Just to,
0: just plane tickets and hotel and all these places would be crazy. And so, like, just to be able to go bang,
1: bang. It's like 15 minutes. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Both yeah. Ways. IEX helicopters. Shout out to them.
0: Yeah. IEX helicopters.
1: I'm actually gonna look them up. That'd be cool. Um, they do tour. They go like Hollywood. They do all kinds of cool shit. Do they? And for like one or two people, it's probably like three, four hundred bucks round it's trip. It's really worth for it. A person. Yeah.
0: That's cool. I have a friend that shoots pictures, and he does a lot of a, uh, he does a lot of helicopter stuff, love, shooting LA. I'm and, in love with helicopters. Yeah. Now. Are yeah. you?
1: Yeah. I was like an airplane guy before that. Yeah. I was always into airplanes and small planes, and actually flying small planes a bit when I was younger. Okay. Man. Helicopter, new thing, no motion sickness whatsoever, none. Yeah, because it's a different motion. Yeah, it's a totally different motion, and it was just so. And
0: they are, you know, obviously, uh, we had the tragic loss of Kobe earlier in a helicopter crash, but, but they are way safer um, than planes in most in most senses. Yeah,
1: and you know, on that note, one of my my good friend and boss, um, one of my one of the owners at Takoon. Showed me a picture. He goes, that's crazy that you went on a helicopter, too, to Catalina. Here's my picture that I went to Catalina on. Here's the chopper. He goes, when Kobe's copper chopper crashed, I said to my wife, hey, that looks a lot like the one that we took to Catalina. So she looks up our old pictures, and sure enough, earlier on, like a year and a half before that, before Kobe's tragedy happened, they rode the same chopper. No shit. Sure. To Catalina's, like, made me shit, like, gave me the chills when he yeah. told me. That. I was like, oh, my God. You know that was just yeah. wild so just small world, but yeah i mean they're safe as a general rule i would say
0: yeah my uh my my brother one of my younger brothers is in the army and he's a he's a black hawk instructor he's actually the lead flight instructor for black hawk pilots so That's really it's, cool. it's crazy that uh this kid always wanted to fly he wanted since he was a little kid he said he wanted to fucking fly black hawks bro and he, just he went into the military and he went over and did a tour in Iraq as a gunner on a Black Hawk helicopter And they flew air support for the Iraqi president and he did a, a um, Tour in Afghanistan couple tours in Iraq and now he was back and he became a flight instructor and now he's stationed out of um, Fort Knox and he's like the head flight instructor for Black Hawk pilots so the kid not only exceeded his life path But like he was like the flight instructor for Black Hawk pilots. It's pretty crazy. Wow before Shout he was a pilot, he uh, he won. He was received like a I want to say a silver star or something because he saved his his uh, his uh, squad. Um, they were doing a dust out operation, and he was in the back of the helicopter. And uh, the pilot got disorientated because when they do this dust off, they land and take off really fast mm-hmm. in succession. Uh, quite a few Blackhawks, and the dust went up, and the dude lost lost his uh, sense of compass. And uh, they were gonna they were gonna crash. All the warning sensors are going off, and my brother ran from the back of the helicopter and pulled up on the on the stick and got him got him leveled out. They still crash landed, but he saved he saved everybody. It would have been catastrophic for sure, and and nobody was uh, seriously injured. So yeah. he's a you know he's got a cool story too. He he's actually for things like that. Right? Amazing, yeah. But that was him being like, oh shit, this dude's fucked up. I'm gonna jump up there, and now look at him. He's a great. Uh, a great Blackhawk pilot. Um, he flew a Blackhawk to come see me. I was doing an autograph signing in Nashville at the airport, and I, when I got there, my cab driver was in the military, um, and he was talking to me, and I was like, oh, shit, I think my brother's stationed somewhere nearby. And he was like, what's he doing? I was like, he's a Black Hawk pilot in the Army. And he was like, yeah, he's probably at, um, he's probably at Fort... Uh, I forget what the name of it was. But he wasn't he was actually at Knoxville at the gold like where the gold reserve is at the base there um, Which but still isn't too far from Nashville. So he was like, I wish you would have told me I'd fly down and see you So I signed autographs and I went to the airport and he met me in a Blackhawk and uh, Came and they came down and had dinner with his crew and whatever else, but he came to Nashville International and flew down and I got to walk out onto the tarmac and see it and cool hang out with them. That? Yeah, it cool was pretty was that? dope. That's memories right there. Yeah, totally. Another um, chopper memory story. Exactly. Right. That
1: was even cooler than mine, though. Nah, I
0: mean. Oh yeah? yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, it's way cooler. Uh, it was a, uh, it was memorable for me, and I'm, I'm sure it was cool for him to do too. Yeah. But like, yeah, how badass are you when you roll up to see your, oh. see your family in a fucking Blackhawk? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, those things are crazy.
0: Yeah. All right, well, um, I'm glad to finally chop it up with you, and uh, thanks for the fire, Gelato 33. Um, man, I'll give you. you some of this foreign genetics. Thanks for being a supporter, bro. I oh, see that yeah. you had the foreign hat forever, and uh, you fuck with us, um, and that's cool. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I'm honored man. to to have you on my show and to you know have you as a friend, and great things for Takoon. Thanks for coming by, guys. Thank you, man. Appreciate Any you, shout-outs guys. before we jam out? Uh, we did them. We did, did already, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. All right, good. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis lifestyle radio.